God is doing awesome things around the world, as we heard from Kevin and Teresa, to awesome faithful saints of the Lord. And so God is at work, but he's at work all over the world. He's at work in this part of the world. He's at work in your lives, and he wants to work through your lives. But I want to, see, I want to remind you today that we are in a spiritual war. This is a war. And in fact, the title of the message this morning is Kingdoms in Conflict. And I want us to really understand this morning that you and I were born into a battlefield. There is a spiritual war going on that we have been born into. And in the spiritual war that we are fighting, there are real enemies that we fight. And it's really important that we know who those enemies are and we know how we can fight them and win this fight. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's pray. Father, we do ask for the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit, that you enable us to have a spirit of revelation, illumination, understanding of your word, that you, you prepare our hearts to receive the truth, that you'd anoint me to speak it clearly, simply, powerfully, and you'd enable all of us to receive it and be changed by it and be victorious overcomers. In this war, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, we've been, ta- we've been having kind of a mini-series entitled The Kingdom of God. And like I said, this, this title of this message is really The Conflict, Kingdoms in Conflict. And I want to remind you a little bit of what we talked about so far for background. Remember, the Bible speaks clearly of two ages. It speaks of this present age that we're living in. And it speaks about the age to come. So there's there's two ages the Bible speaks about. These two ages are separated by the second coming of Christ. So right now we're all living in this present age. That age will come to an end when Jesus comes again. When Jesus comes again, he inaugurates the age to come. This age to come will last forever and ever and ever. Now the present age that we're living in, the Bible tells us, is actually an evil age. It's an evil age. Now, Jesus tells us this. He tells us that we can actually become citizens of this age to come while still living in this present evil age. And he tells us how. How we can become citizens of this kingdom of God. Jesus starts off his ministry in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. This is what he preaches. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is the, that's the first message that Jesus preaches that comes out of his mouth is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, turn around and surrender to the rule of the kingdom by surrendering to the rule of the king, Jesus. And that's really what it means to believe in Jesus Christ as your savior and the Lord of your life is that you, you believe he's the king in fact, the king of your life. And when you do that, you become citizens of the kingdom of God. It's a crazy concept that, that's, that's infiltrated much of the church, that you can be part of the kingdom without him being your king. The very definition of the kingdom of God is the rule of God. And those who are in the kingdom of God have said yes to the rule of God instead of yes to the king, Jesus. And so really, that's what it means to believe in Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life. And if you do that, if you say yes to Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life, 
and you become citizens of the kingdom to come right now in this present evil age, in this present age that we're living in. Now, so that means, but it means more than that. It means that we actually, in this present evil age, that we are citizens of the kingdom to come, that we are in a conflict. Let me explain. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says this. It says that you are dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the age of this world. That's this present evil age. According to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So the ruler of this age, this present evil age, is the prince of the power of the air. That is Satan. And he is permitted to exercise a terrible influence in this present evil age, inducing men and women, boys and girls, to do all kinds of evil things. So if we are citizens of the kingdom of God in this present evil age, we are citizens of the kingdom of God, which is in conflict with the one who's ruling this kingdom, the devil himself. So there is a battle. There is a conflict that we have been born into when we're born again. We're born into this conflict. So in this present evil age that we're living in, we have enemies. We have enemies, and it's important that we know who those enemies are and how we fight them. Because whether you like it or not, if you're, if you're a follower of Christ, you are, you are now in a conflict. You are living in a conflict. And it's important that you understand this conflict, understand who the enemies are and how to fight them. See, when the Son of God came into our world, he came on a mission. And his mission as the king of the kingdom to come was to assault the kingdom of darkness in this present evil age. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and declared war on Satan, the God of this present evil age. Now remember, Satan became the ruler of this age when he duped, deceived Adam and Eve to sin. Adam and Eve were ruling over the earth, but he duped them to sin, deceived them, they fall into sin, and when he, did, when, he, when he was successful in that deception, he became ruler of this present age, this present world. And Jesus came and declared war on Satan when he came. When, he's born, when he was born in Bethlehem, a little baby, born of a virgin, grows up as a man, lives a sinless life. He comes declaring war on the prince of the power of the air. Now, this war is still going on today. The war that he declared is going on today, and you and I are in it. And we have enemies. <clears throat> now again, the kingdom of God means the rule or the reign of God. So the kingdom of God means the defeat of all the enemies of God. The kingdom of God means the rule and the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ until all of his enemies are put under his feet. Now who are his enemies? Well, let's find out from the Bible. The Bible tells us who our enemies are. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22 through 26. Let's read this. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. When he delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father, 
when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign, listen to this, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. So now we clearly have defined one of our enemies, and that is death. The last enemy to be destroyed, it says, is death in verse 26. So death is one of his enemies and one of ours. Now, where does death come from? Well, again, the Bible tells us where death comes from. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin is death. So death comes from sin. So if the last enemy to be destroyed is death, we know that death is one of our enemies. But death comes from sin. That means that sin is also one of our enemies. And that sin will likewise one day be destroyed. Okay, so now we know two of our enemies, death and sin. Where does sin come from? Well, the source of evil, the answer is Satan. So now we have our three enemies clearly defined. A trinity from the pit of hell. Satan, sin, and death. Those are our enemies. So the kingdom of God means the defeat, the defeat of Satan, sin, and death. Now here's the truth I want us to understand, and that is this. That Jesus has already come and defeated all three of these enemies in a significant way when he died on the cross and rose again. Yet, all three of these enemies have not been done away with. They're still around. So what we're going to see here in a moment is we're going to see clearly the Bible teaches that these enemies have already been defeated in a significant way, but have not yet been totally done away with. Everybody say already. already. Everybody say not yet. not yet. It's real important that we understand that our enemies have already been defeated in a real way, but they're not yet out of our experience. They've not yet been done away with. So I want to walk through these three enemies because the more we understand how they have already been defeated and believe this truth, the less power they have over you. So let's walk through each of these enemies. First enemy is death. The Bible teaches that death has already been conquered. Through the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection, death has already been conquered. 2 Timothy 1.2 says this, Our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel. So Christ has already defeated death. He has broken the power of death by his death on the cross and by the resurrection from the grave. So he conquered death. But there's even more to this that we need to understand. He conquered him, the devil, who had the power of death. Okay, let's look at this verse here. In fact, it's interesting that uh, Matt, when he shared the communion devotion, didn't know what I was going to speak about, and he reads this passage and talks about it. Don't you love it when the Lord does those sorts of things? <clears throat> but Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says this. Since then the children share in flesh and blood. That's children, that's us. Flesh and blood, that's humanity. 
since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Christ, likewise also partook of the same. He became a human. That through death, listen to this, he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. And might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. So he removed, you know, he removed our sins also, by the way, which is the sting of death. So death no longer is an enemy to be feared. So let's look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 55. It says this, but when this, this perishable will have put on the imperishable, he's talking about our resurrection bodies. When this perishable body that's decaying puts on the imperishable body, the resurrected body, which will never undergo decay. He says, when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So basically, Christians do not need to fear, be afraid of death anymore because Jesus defeated death through his death and resurrection. He defeated the one who had the power of death, the devil, and he took the sting of out of death, because he brought about the forgiveness of sins for our lives. So because our sins are forgiven, the sting is gone. The removal of the sting of death is gone. We don't have to be afraid of it anymore. This is huge. So I mean, that means as citizens of the kingdom of God, right now, we can live our lives free from the fear of death. We don't have to be afraid of it. Not at all. Not at all. The sting of death is gone. The one who had the power of death, the power has been taken away. So no fear of death. I mean, what freedom to live life in peace. That you don't have to be afraid of death. One Middle Eastern pastor that I was, <clears throat> pastor that I was staying with this last week, uh, he had been jailed several times for his faith, and I just loved being with him. He was just, he was fearless. And the reason he was so fearless is because he believed this truth we're talking about right here. He had no fear of death. He wasn't afraid to die. You know, the devil has a hard time doing much against you when you're not afraid to die. And no Christian needs to be afraid of death. See, that's part of what Jesus is talking about when he says this in John 11. Jesus said in John 11, 25 and 26, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he asked the question, do you believe this? Do you really believe this? See, the illustration that I've used, and some of you heard me use it, that really helps me get it. Is I still remember as a kid falling asleep, playing with toys in the living room. And uh, all I remember is playing with toys, and then I remember waking up in my bedroom with the sun shining through the window. I don't remember sleep. I don't remember my dad picking me up and carrying me into bed. I just remember playing with toys, and then I'm awake. I, don't, I didn't remember feeling any sleep. Well, there's, that's, that's something what's going to happen to us when we go through this thing we call death. Is as a Christian, you are just here and you are there. 
and you will never taste death. You never taste it. And so that's why you don't need to be afraid of it, because you'll never go, you experience it. You're just alive and alive forever. So death has already been defeated. Everybody say already. already. But it's not yet been done away with. Okay, so let's look at this. It's not yet been taken out of the picture. When does it get taken out, totally out of the picture? Well, it gets totally taken out of the picture here in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 and 50, at the great white throne judgment, right before the new heavens and new earth. Death itself, death is thrown into the lake of fire. Let's read it. Revelation 20, verse 14 and 15. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. By the way, how do you get your name written in the book of life? Turn to Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life. And if you're here today or listening online and haven't done that yet, what are you waiting for? Amen. I would say yes to him and get your name written in Lamb's book of life so you don't have to face the second death. So <clears throat> at the very end, the Lord throws death into the lake of fire and death will be no more. It'll be no, it'll, it will not just be a defeated enemy among us. It will be totally removed, totally abolished. So our enemy, death, has already been defeated. Everybody say already. already. But not yet been done away with. Say not yet. Already. Now, it's important that we remember we live right now between the already and the not yet. That is where we live. It's very important for us to understand this. See, we already experience, right now, in this present evil age, we already experience so much of the blessing of the kingdom to come, right now. But not in fullness. It still comes in fullness in the age to come. But we taste it, and the taste is real. The experience is real. But the full seven-course banquet is still coming. It's still coming. So we live in between the already and the not yet. Death has already been defeated, but has not yet been done away with. That's our first enemy. Second enemy is sin. Sin has already been conquered. Everybody say already. already. All right, let's read where that happens. Okay, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor was it that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with the blood not his own. Otherwise, he, Christ, would, ha would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, at the consummation of the ages, listen to this, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as, inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once and after this comes judgment, so Christ also, having been offered once on the cross to bear the sins of many shall appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. Let's read another passage, Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, with Christ. Listen to this, that our body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Why are we no longer slaves to sin? Because that enemy's been defeated. We don't have to obey it anymore. 
John 8, 34 and 35, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. And if therefore the son shall make you free, say it out loud, you shall be free indeed. Sin has been defeated by the work of Christ on the cross. The Christian is no longer under the bondage of sin. We've been set free. It's a reality, but you've got to believe it. All of this you've got to believe. Let it be done to you according to your faith. See, we've been set free from the power of sin. It has been broken. So not only are Christians set free from the penalty of sin, we're set free from the power of sin. Sin has been defeated. It is an enemy, but it is a defeated enemy. You're no longer under its bondage. Its power over you has been broken. Say that again. It has been broken. I was counseling one Middle Eastern pastor this week, and he was, uh, he's been kind of, he's been doing a lot of his ministry fairly secret, secretly. He didn't want his extended family, uh, who are pretty radical Muslims, to know what he's doing. So he's been kind of, because he, he's concerned about the rejection of his extended family. And and so we spent some time talking about this bondage of fear, because that's really what it was, and it was holding him back. But this bondage, we talked about how really this bondage is broken, but he's got to believe it, and he's got to trust the Lord for, for the fallout. He, can't, he cannot live in fear. You know? and some of you, if you're living in fear, you, you don't, it, it, that bondage is broken, and you're thinking, but what about this and what about that? Trust the Lord for the fallout. Don't live under that bondage. Sin has been defeated. The Christian is no longer under the bondage of sin. We've been set free. His power over us is broken. But you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. Yet, so sin has already been defeated. Say already. But it's not yet been done away with. So we still have sin. We still have the presence of sin around us. And we can still ourselves give in to it. So it's not yet been totally done away with. When does that happen? Well, that happens when we, right before the, uh, the new heavens and new earth. How do we know that? Revelation 21, verse 27. It says this about the new heavens and new earth. It says, And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Sin will be done away with in the, in, in the new heavens and new earth. There will no longer be any unclean thing. In sin, there will, no be, there will be no sin in our forever, our new heavens and new earth, eternal experiences. Sin will be totally removed from our, from our experience. And so, but we live in between the already and the not yet. So sin has already been defeated. Say it again, already. Not yet been removed from us. Say not yet. Okay, so that's enemy number two. Enemy number three, Satan. Same thing applies. Satan has already been defeated. Let's read. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 again. We already read it once. Let's read it again. Since then the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So, so Satan has been defeated. When Christ hangs on the cross, bearing our sin and shame, and, 
in absorbing our judgment, he is actually not just taking sin, he is, he is crushing the head of the devil when he's doing this. He's crushing his head. He's, 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 he's winning a decisive victory over the devil when he hangs on the cross. All right, 1 John 3, 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to inaugurate the kingdom of God through his life, death, and resurrection. So the devil is a defeated foe. Stop giving him so much credit. He's a defeated foe. And we're not being cocky and arrogant thinking this way. It's, it's the power of Christ in us. But he's a defeated foe. We need to believe it. We need to embrace who we are in Christ. You know, there's one particular Middle Eastern pastor now, pastor I was uh, praying over who was struggling with shame and guilt. And the devil, who's accused of the brethren, had him on this guilt trip and shame. And he, he thought he couldn't minister anymore because of it. And as we, we walked through, again, we walked through the forgiveness of Christ and how Christ bore our shame and guilt and, uh, and how all his sins are washed away. And just, just to see the freedom come over this man. Again, realizing, wait a second, I don't have to listen to the accuser of the brethren anymore. I've been set free from this. You say, but doesn't, doesn't the Bible say... Doesn't Peter tell us that the devil is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour? And I say, yes, but he has been declawed and defanged by Christ. He has power if you believe his bluff. See, he is a big liar. And he's got so many Christians believing his bluff. Don't believe it. Christ has defeated him on the cross. And we need to understand the truth and believe that truth. You know, so many Christians live in paper mache prisons. I've told some of you the story in which they did an experiment one time with some prisoners in which they made a prison cell out of paper mache. You know what paper mache, I mean, it's, it feels kind of hard on the outside, but if you ran into it, you could go right through it. So they made a prison cell out of paper mache, painted it look like a prison cell, put in hardened criminals, and they never escaped because they didn't think they could. A lot of Christians are in paper mache prisons. They think they can't escape. And it's all a big lie. It's a bluff. We need to know the truth. The devil is a defeated foe. He's already been defeated. Say already. But he's not yet been taken out of the picture. Okay, when does that happen? It happens when the new heavens and new earth comes. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. This is going to be a great applause moment, won't it be? Where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the devil's not yet been taken out of the picture. He still roams around the earth with his demons. They are still our enemies, but they are defeated enemies. I mean, they're like wounded animals snapping at whatever they can get hold of. But they know their days are numbered, and so they do want to do as much damage as possible in the meantime. And by the way, uh, deception and lying is their, their biggest weapon against a Christian because they got to get you to believe something that's not true about them in order for them to have power over you. And some of them, some of you here and some of you online, it's been working. 
So today, let's, be, let's end that today. End it today. The devil's already been defeated. He's not yet been removed out of the picture. That is going still to happen. Now, when the Bible talks of, says our enemies are destroyed, it uses a word I want you to understand the meaning of. The word it uses in Greek is kartargi. Now, what does that mean? It means to make unproductive, ineffective. Here's how that word was used. This will really help us. That word was used of, of unproductive land or, or unfruitful trees. In other words, the land's still there. It's just unproductive. The tree's still there. It's just ineffective. See, that's the word that is used when it talks about our enemies. They're defeated. They're still there. But really, they lost their power. Unless they can convince you they still have their power. So that is true of death, sin, and, uh, death, sin, and the devil, is that, that we need to know the truth, that they have been rendered unproductive, ineffective by Christ's work on the cross if we will walk in faith, believe in the truth. Now, these enemies have not ceased to exist, but their powers have been broken for the citizens of the kingdom. But we must believe this if we're going to walk into victory. Now, some of the pastors I was ministering to, really, really in the Middle East, had fallen into kind of a woe is me mentality. They felt like they're so, so, such a minority and persecuted. And so we spent time going back over again who, you, who they are in Christ. And you can just see faith and courage rising up in them when they begin again to realize who they are in Christ. The same is true for us. But we got to believe it. We got to believe it. We live in between the already and the not yet. So the enemies of the kingdom of God, those three enemies have been defeated. But they've not yet been removed from our experience. We live in between the already and the not yet. Now the day is coming soon. And uh, Jesus is waiting for that day. He longs for this day when they're totally removed. Here's what it says in Hebrews 10, verse 12 and 13. It says this, But he, again referring to Christ, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, listen to this now, waiting from that time onward until his enemies can be made a footstool for his feet. So we are still in this war. We're kind of doing a mopping up exercise. When Jesus comes again, he'll bring the fullness of his kingdom and ultimately removal of all three of these enemies forever and ever. In the meantime, we live knowing that these three enemies, death, sin, and Satan, are defeated foes. They haven't been removed from our experience totally. Not yet, they will. But they've lost their power over us. But you gotta believe it. So, what does this mean? Let's just get the simple takeaways for Jesus' followers today. Takeaway number one no fear of death. The sting of death has been removed by Christ's work on the cross. No fear of death. You will not experience any horrible thing known as death. You won't experience it, you won't taste it. You'll be here, you'll be there. You're just gonna pass straight into glory. So don't be afraid of it. That's the first takeaway. Second takeaway, no bondage to sin. No bondage. Sin has been conquered by the work of Christ on the cross. We can walk, every Christian can walk in complete freedom.
from sin. We can't. Don't believe the lie. And this is the lie that so many Christians believe. I'm just a pitiful sinner. So I sin. Well, first of all, the Bible doesn't call you a pitiful sinner. It calls you a holy saint. And starting to understand it and starting to realize your identity is key to walking in that. That is not, that's who you used to be. You used to be that. That's not who you are anymore. That is a lie from hell. The devil continues to tell Christians over and over again, whispers in the air, oh, you're just, you know, that's just you. That's just you. Go ahead, give in to it. It's all lies. That's not who you are. So no bondage to sin, but you got to believe it. There is power. You have the power to walk in holiness. No addiction can hold you. You got to believe it and walk in it. All right, number three. No intimidation or domination from the devil and his demons. No more. No more intimidation. He's been rendered ineffective by the cross of Christ, but you got to believe that to be true. And I tell you, I've heard so many Christians give the devil way too much credit. And we just need to understand that we are in Christ, and greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Again, the devil, does, he does prowl around like a roaring lion, but he's got no teeth, he's got no claws. Stop believing his bluff. You know, if you look at him and believe that he's this horrible, powerful thing that has all this power over you, if you think like that, then he's got it. But if you realize, no, wait a second. I'm in Christ, and Christ has crushed his head. So think about this. I mean, we're the body of Christ, right? So here's the body of Christ, and, he's, and Christ is the head of the body, and, he hangs, and he's hanging in Christ, and the devil's under his feet, and we're the body of Christ, so where's to put the devil? Under our feet. But you've got to believe it. We've got to believe it. Now, I want you to notice something. It says here in James chapter 4, verse 7, and we're going to finish up here. James 4, verse 7 says this. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. By the way, if he weren't a defeated foe, he wouldn't have to flee from you. But notice what our role is in making him flee. We are to submit to God. And then resist the devil. Submit to God. That means, first of all, I need to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm already submitted to the king. But it also means that I am going to, you know, submit to God and do things God's way. See, this is where the devil gets us. The devil can get us to begin to say, you know, go ahead and give in to this little sin and this little sin. So I'm no longer submitting to God. Then I make myself vulnerable to demonic attack. So it's up, to you. it's up to us. You can make yourself as vulnerable as you want to be or invulnerable as you want to be. It's up to you. If you, start, if you decide you're not going to submit to God and resist the devil, they go together, by the way. If you decide you're not going to submit to God and you're going to live in rebellion, then yeah, you're going to have all kinds of demonic havoc in your life because you're basically given inroads. You're opening up the door. Why would you do this? Why would you hurt yourself this way? And so submit to God. Close the doors. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so as we close here, I want to ask everyone just to stand. We're going to close with a prayer. Let's just um, stand here for a moment. Again, there's a connection between disobedience to God and making yourself vulnerable to the devil. 
And some of you this morning here, and some of you that are online right now, I'm going to pray in just a moment. Some of you, in all honesty, are living in some disobedience. And it's not something you're like, you know, unknowingly doing it. You are doing it knowingly. And today, right now, the whole Spirit of God is convicting you and speaking to you about this and giving you a perspective on it too, the craziness of it. Why would you do this? Why would you do this to yourself? You believe the lie to give in to this disobedience. Whatever it is, you're, giving a, you're believing a lie and it's causing all kinds of problems. It's not giving you what it promised to give you. Lust is always a liar. And so right now the Lord, I think, is just is giving an opportunity for you just to repent and confess that as sin and close that door. And so I'm going to pray this over. I, I think there are several of you in this, in, this, in, this, in this situation right now. And let's just ask the Lord to search our hearts. Father, we, Lord, you know exactly where all of us are. Lord, we can't fake you out. We can fake out people around us sometimes, but we never fake you out. So we just invite in Jesus' name, just this ministry of your Holy Spirit to search our hearts, to break through all of the rationalizations, all the self-justifying arguments, all the deception. We ask you, Father, break through in Jesus' name right now. Show us, Lord, clearly where we've given in to the lie. We're living in some rebellion or disobedience. And today, Lord, we just want to close that. We want to close it off. We just repent. We confess it as sin. First John 1 John 1.9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Just confess it to him right now. Confess it to him. Just say enough. Enough of this. Enough. You're, just, you're, you're done with it. Repentance means I'm done with it. Turn away from it. Confess it. Repent from it. So, Lord, we're just right now, Lord, we're just, several people are doing that, Lord, just saying, Lord, I confess that. I confess this. We, Lord, we thank you that you're so quick to forgive. It blows our mind how gracious you are, merciful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you take away our sins. Lord, I pray you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit right now, fresh, all of us. Lord, let us walk as overcomers more than victorious this week. And Lord, let these three enemies, Lord, stay where they belong, under our feet, defeated, no power over us. Before I say amen, I just want to say that if you have any questions for our staff, we have Connection Coffee in this corner here. We'd love to talk to you. If you're new here this morning, I'd love to meet you over here in this welcome corner. But we're going to have some leader couples up here to be glad to pray for you. If, if there's something you, you confess that you want someone to pray about too, come up let them pray for you. Or if you have a healing request or whatever it may be, let us pray for you. Father, we pray, Lord, as we're dismissed, Lord, that you'd use us this week to shine the light of Christ everywhere we go. Lord, help us raise our gaze beyond just trying to survive this week and see ourselves on mission, a mission in our neighborhoods, our places of work, our places of school, recreation. Open our eyes, Lord, because you made all of us missionaries. We thank you for that. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody says, Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day, great week.